Welcome to the Property Report podcast, produced by Property Report magazine, the leading magazine for luxury real estate. Welcome to the Property Report podcast. I'm Property Report editor Becky Ellis. This week, listen in on the first part of my conversation with Jason Pomeroy, an award-winning architect and master planner and founder of Pomeroy Studios in Singapore. Jason is also an academic whose research is at the forefront of sustainability in the built environment. Why did you start in green design to begin with? Um, When I was eight years old, my father took me to St. Paul's Cathedral in London, and I was amazed at the kind of the scale and the, um, just the grandeur of the place. The fact that there weren't any light switches. (laughs) It was flooded with natural light, airy. I could go to the Whispering Gallery and speak to my father halfway around the dome whispering in the wall. And it was this sense of building physics that I didn't know was building physics at the time that just amazed me. It just it blew me away. And I kind of wanted to know what an architect did. My father told me. And he told me about Christopher Wren. And before I know it, at 18, I was enrolled in architecture school and did my research degree at Cambridge, where there's a number of um, Christopher Wren and it reignited, during my research, my interest in just honest, passive design. Because as architects, we can become so entrenched in technology that we think that technology will solve all of our problems. And it's, it's absolute rubbish. It's, it's nonsense to think that we should be stuffing buildings with more air conditioning and more artificial light and more complex methods of moving people vertically um, and I just remember being in Trinity College Library, awash with natural light, awash with natural ventilation. That's the starting point for like green design for me. And so the work that we do is very much about a back to basics consciousness of, of, uh, of distilling some of the lessons from the past, which have been highly successful and have stood the test of time without any irritable reaching for technology, and using then the technology sparingly as and when necessary. And I guess it gives our buildings, I hate to use the word iconic, but a particular iconic look, because they're not rocket science buildings, they don't look too complex, but they have an environmental conditioning about them that, I guess, characterizes the work that we do. Singapore is seems pretty progressive in terms of requiring buildings or will be requiring buildings I think by 2020 to all meet a certain standard. Yeah. <clears throat> Can you speak to that? Does it go far enough? Yeah, it doesn't really go far enough. I think that um, the wave of green consciousness has been happening for some time in Europe and the States and, and in the UK all new residential buildings will need to be carbon zero by 2016. All new civic buildings will need to be carbon zero by 2019. Uh, all new uh, developments in Germany need to have green roofs. I mean, these are far-reaching policies that have been in existence for a long, long time and are there to try and basically stop our carbon woes. Obviously, carbon emissions in the built environment uh, constitute about 40% of overall global carbon emissions. Um, 80% of that 40% are attributed to cities. So um, it's particularly good that Singapore is taking steps through legislation to green its own habitat and fair play. 
but I think it doesn't go far enough. I think we need to be moving away from the slightly more whimsical attitude towards greening, as in physically greening, by putting greenery on buildings, to actually get a bit more quantifiable and understanding what the benefit of this greenery is going to be. Otherwise, we are then falling into the trap of pure greenwash. We're falling into the trap of uh, looks green, therefore it must be green. And I think that uh, it would be nice to see something slightly more objective uh, in our green assertions. I just read this research report out of a university here in Singapore that was talking about uh, sustainability and residential developments and saying that from a cost perspective, you know, maybe it increases the cost by 5%. Um, and, and that developers aren't the ones who recoup the cost. The, the value is in the resale and that developers are less likely to recoup it for a whole potential variety of reasons. Developers obviously then see that as well. We're not going to get the money back, so why should we do this? Yeah, yeah I kind of disagree with those comments. I mean, I think that um, this is kind of masquerading under the wave of some sort of research and trying to provide credibility to, to, to that argument. Um, there are very good case studies and very good reports that have been created by the Welcoming Building Council that highlights uh, tenancy retention, um, productivity, premium sales on green properties have all got an economic imperative uh, that will be certainly beneficial for the developer as well as the tenant. In terms of the uh, that 3 to 5 percent, well, arguably, the, in, in my experience, the, the buildings that we've created have actually come in on budget, if not lower than the business as usual, because the business as usual building will be highly energy and water intensive using artificial light, artificial ventilation. And by going back to basics of embracing natural light, natural ventilation, we're already reducing the mechanical and electrical costs. So a, a useful case study that I would often use is to compare the cost of an average bungalow, I say average loosely because there are not many bungalows in Singapore, but if we were to take a, a, a bungalow in Singapore in Bukit Timah uh, with a construction cost of about $5,191 per square metre, and our uh, zero carbon house, that is $5,047 per square meter, is actually coming in under budget. It's, it's coming in cheaper than the business as usual case. And at the end of the day, I'd far rather be living in a sustainable home with the bragging rights compared to the business as usual. I will never have an energy bill again because of the energy generated by the PV cells on the roof than actually being in the business as usual building. I would have a higher likelihood of catching infections through air conditioning. Subscribe now to Property Report magazine and receive a free copy of Helm Lifestyle magazine, covering all aspects of luxury across the Asia Pacific, from super yachts to luxury cars and high-end fashion. You will also receive exclusive access to the Property Report iPad application and privileged online content. Simply visit property-report.com and click subscribe.
Developers obviously then see that as well. We're not going to get the money back, so mm. why should we do this? Yeah. I mean, I kind of disagree with those comments. I mean, I think that um, this is kind of masquerading under the wave of some sort of research and trying to provide credibility to, to, to that argument. Um, there are very good case studies and very good reports that have been created by the Welcoming Building Council that highlights uh, tenancy retention, um, productivity, um, uh, premium sales on green properties have all got an economic imperative uh, that will be certainly beneficial for the developer as well as 